This is the first episode of the Press Check Podcast. I'm Bradley Schofield with my heterosexual life mate, John Miles. Hello. And this is the first one, so we're just going to basically bullshit and talk about ourselves and who we are and yeah, why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Where we're coming from and uh, where hopefully this uh, podcast will go. I do want to make a note, though, that everyday carry firearms are required on the press check podcast so yes it is not here have an edc you are not welcome in this facility i think that's probably one of the coolest uh rules that i've ever heard from a mandatory gun laws yeah all right yeah we're we're starting a revolution here i like that mandatory i like that yes okay Uh, well-armed society is a polite society and we like polite society yeah yeah it's nice to be nice it is uh so uh so yeah let's talk about the podcast here we'll uh we're basically just going to talk about um the art of masculinity and the things uh based around it it's uh it's a dying thing these days and we figure we'll do all we can to keep it alive what do you say bradley yeah what i'm learning is that uh honesty is one of the most masculine traits one can have. Well, you know where I stand on that. Honest, no, you, you know what Blunt John says. Honesty. Nobody can be mad at you for being honest. It's they the might truth. not like the truth, but they can't be upset with you about being truthful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's not a lot that someone can, they can be upset at what you're telling them, but not I, the fact that you're telling them the truth. I love your example. You'd be like, Dude, you know how fucking honest Miles with me? Fuck that motherfucker. He was so honest with me. Yeah, this is right. It just doesn't happen. That, that could never happen. They would never say that. Dude, they were so fucking clear and communicated so well and were just so honest to me. I was like, this guy's a real prick. <laughs> I don't think that happens ever. No, I don't think I've ever heard that complaint once. Like, he's exactly. just too honest. That part, she's, she's just way too honest for me. Like, right? A filter I could understand. You know, well, bitching about them not having a filter, but honestly, that's your problem, not theirs. It's true, but we are we are talking about a polite society. So having a filter is okay, just not like to a degree where you're kind of compromising who you are. Okay, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. If someone's a cunt, and the, you know, you might want not want to call them a cunt right off the bat. You might want to say, "Hey, you're not being nice to me right now." <laughs> you know, and then that, that was comes later. Of, that was one of an issue I ran into in a relationship of mine where I was the bad guy because we'd be out in public and somebody would be doing something stupid and I would tell them that they're doing something stupid, but then I was automatically the bad guy because sure. I told them that they were being I think that happens asshole. probably more than it doesn't. It's weird. It's nonsense. Yeah. So so let's talk about the podcast, where it's coming now, where we're coming from, why we started this. What do you say? why we're doing the podcast in the first place yeah why we're doing it where we came from well these one, people know what kind of one people we are uh, yeah one just because it's kind of fun it is kind of fun you yeah know. that's true Number we one. do like to talk a lot yeah oh it's but yeah i love well, hearing you, you talk and well i think you like hearing yourself talk that's probably true too so i guess let's just start with uh you know how we grew up that yeah. kind of thing you know, we come from two very different families, two very different uh, upbringings. Uh, mine was pretty normal. Functional and dysfunctional is what we call Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Order and chaos, yin yes. and yang, and I think that's kind of why we get along so well. Probably. Um, so for me, 
you know, uh, it, you know, I want to preface this by saying like, regardless of your upbringing, we all have fucking daddy issues. We all have fucking, and that runs deep. It runs so deep. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up, I grew up with, uh, my mother and my stepfather and my stepfather was around since as early as I can remember. And so, um, I basically, I called him dad cause I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, my real father wasn't around often, not nearly often enough in my eyes. Um, you know, and I think that's because of issues between him and my mother. But, sure. You know, that's I mean, usually where it stems. Yeah. So, but I mean, that is what it is, you know, and as I got, I've, I've gotten older, you know, I've started developing a relationship with my, my real father, but, um, they're two very different people. They're two very different people. My, my real father is, um, you know, you know, Mormon for one yeah. right wing. Um, my stepfather is grew up a jazz musician and I, I won't say effeminate cause he's not effeminate, but he's not your stereotypical masculine father figure. Would you call him an alpha? Or a beta? No, I. Yeah, he's a beta. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, he he, uh, he he's the kind of person that will pick a fight, but will be the first one to back down for <laughs> sure. Right. I think that's probably more common than it is, though. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, but uh, he, he's a good man. He is a good man. I don't. Want I to think uh, anytime step step parents can take a serious role and step into that uh that parent parental figure i think that's a big deal if they take it real seriously and you know they can make an impact on your life i mean parents kind of are thrust into that i think because you can't really help it i've got two little boys and you can't i can't help but love those little turds you know what right. i mean but a step parent might not have to and they so for them to. to step up like that you're right it's a choice yeah it's it a choice at that point and, and he made that choice and you know that's that's an incredible thing to do and and just in that that itself is a very masculine trait yeah. in my opinion like he really you know i mean he had a whole family before you know meeting my mother i mean he was married before that had four children with that woman and had a whole life before yeah. all that i mean i don't know what happened there we, i've never talked to him about it doesn't really matter um but you know for him to take me my mother in and he was 17 years older than my mom Ooh. and they met in her early 20s early 20s so um a little bit of an age discrepancy there but he made it work you know and and he and, and he is just like a family man kind of person my biological father is not at all um so for him to, to to step up and really kind of fill that role, definitely a, a big thing. Yeah, that that's a huge deal. That I think most fathers, like biological fathers, these that can't do. You know, they've been married for over thirty years now. Thirty three years. That's they've been married. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely um, my goal, man. But you know, my real father, completely different, yeah. polar opposites gun-toting redneck from Nevada <laughs> and likes NASCAR. I don't know who the fuck watches NASCAR, but yeah. he does. 
you know, he's into that bow hunting, you know, hunting with rifles in general. But I like all that. Yeah. Not so much the NASCAR, but yeah, I don't, I don't who the fuck can stand that yeah. shit? I don't Someone. Know. They Some, do well. Somebody does. They do well. Yeah. Um, and how about you? Uh, what was your childhood like? Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I would call it dysfunction from the start, but it was fun. You know, it was good. Um, Dysfunction's always fun, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, (laughs) I had a lot of loving family. I will say that. Hold on a second. Let's look at these levels right I'm blasting these people out. Anyway, so my childhood was pretty interesting. Um, I was basically just raised by my mother and then... uh, Aunt and grandma had a lot to do with it too, but my father was out of the picture. So basically, um, a patriarch. Grew very, up in a patriarch. Very much so. Okay. Um, or, or a matriarch. matriarch sorry, yes. Sorry, um, but uh, it was interesting. I mean, my my father's side of the family is, like you said, very very different than my mother's side of the family. Um, you know, my father's side of the family is. We've got old roots here in Arizona, but uh, you know they've got a lot of old roots back south and. Florida, Alabama, and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, my grandfather, he came from uh, uh, a lawman family. My great-grandfather was sheriff of, uh, I think it was Pima County. Mm-hmm. Pima County for uh, quite what a few years. What was his nickname? His nickname? JT. But his JT. name was Rye. Rye, that's Miles. right. Yeah. Rye JT Miles. Yeah. If you guys take the time to Google that name, you will find, what, Arizona Ranger? Arizona Ranger inf- yeah. information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. And then history. him on... Uh, being sheriff here and stuff a lot of a lot of stuff with the uh uh what what's it called uh um prohibition alcohol prohibition oh he did a lot of work with prohibition okay yeah that would kind of make sense yeah uh but then uh you know he was uh he raised my grandpa who was you know kind of a hard ass uh but he could be quite you know he was a loving man too funny but uh he definitely uh he let me know when he was up, upset for sure. He he instilled that healthy fear. Healthy you're fear. Talking about yes, yes. Uh, it, it was it's it was very healthy. Yeah. Uh, and then, in all honesty, uh, my grandmother was the same way. She was uh, she was pretty fiery herself, I'd call it. Uh, but again, she was very loving, but very opposite of my mother's mother, who was kind of you know, a hippie and like, whatever, let me cuss in front of her and, you know, kind of do what I wanted. Um, so they were very different, but, uh, you know, when it came to mom and dad, uh, you know, dad was kind of out of the picture, but like you did, I had a, a very good stepfather for a few years. And even though he wasn't around as much as your stepfather was, he, uh, he definitely made an imprint in me and kind of showing me that, you know, there are good male role models mm-hmm. um there are lots of bad ones but the good ones uh they can do a lot of good work if you pay attention to what they're doing and he uh you know he didn't need to give a shit but he did and i'm still yeah. friends with him to this day oh, you know, really he has still talk on facebook from time to time you know yeah. i haven't seen him for a while right now but yeah i've kept in touch with him my whole life um mm. so he made a definitely a big impact on my life but you know my mom and I, it was kind of uh, her and I against the world for a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I would say we grew up more like uh, like friends than anything. Yeah. You know? I mean, obviously she's my mother, but I think I took on a lot of parental roles at a, at 
you know, an early age, which, you know, uh, my father uh, died when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, nothing makes you grow up quicker than tragedy. Right. Uh, and so my, my mom struggled. Learn, right. Yeah. And struggle. Yeah. We don't learn when times are good. That's for sure, man. Um, so, yeah, mom struggled with that, uh, even though, you know, they weren't together for 10 years, I think, before that or maybe longer. Um, so, yeah, I had to step up and try to kind of make uh, some adult decisions and help mom along. She struggled with that. But, hell, I mean, in all honesty, after that, I mean, we uh, we were more friends than anything, yeah. you know, drinking and being like more friends together than anything. When did, when did that you start? Know? How old were you when that well, started? I started uh, like sneaking the sneaking the Jägermeister out of the freezer. It's I think Jägermeister or it's aftershock. Jägermeister, I know, right? Yeah, it's always the oh aftershock. Don't even say those shit. words, bro. <laughs> don't even say those words, and don't act like I've ever eaten the candy out of the bottom. Right? Oh yeah, no, we've never done that before um, at school. Yeah, that yeah. never happened. So it started with the Jägermeister, and then uh, yeah, I mean. I uh, I definitely have a gene that likes to uh, likes to have a good time. I don't know that I have that gene, but I think I've created that gene it runs in, my strong in my family. <laughs> strong. <laughs> I think now I'm the first of the of the Schofields that has introduced that gene into the pool. Now I think I'm one of the first to uh, control it in yeah. uh, in a way where I don't have to completely not have a drink. Right. or And I don't have to turn into Frank the Tank every time I have a drink. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't turn into him, but I know where the line is. <clears throat> yeah, so I didn't have to deal with, like, any of that. So, like, I was always very well provided for, even when times were tough and we were living in a shitty apartment. Like, I was always, everything was always taken care of. Like, yeah. my parents did a very good job of making sure that I didn't go without, you know, so, I'll, you know, I'm grateful about that. I'd um, say my mother was the same, you know, she, you know, she struggled, but I mean, I, I guess I couldn't say I'd, I didn't go with, without, you know, but we made it work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, like you said, I, you know, hardships is when you learn things. And, mm -hmm. you know, I learned a lot in that time of growing yeah. up after dad died and, yeah. and being kind of an adult, but still a child and, I mean, I learned a lot just because shit was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, you know, it seemed pretty normal for me. Every, no, I didn't have like anything like that. I didn't have any hardships until, you know, you know, tragedies until I got a little bit older. And um, I guess the first one would be 2001. Yeah. When uh, my oldest stepbrother died. That was probably the first one, but I was already an adult by that. So, yeah. you know, I you definitely process death different as a as a young I'm person sure. to an adult for sure. I'm sure. Um, you know, so just growing up in like grade school, everything was totally normal. I mean, I fucking hated school, you yeah, know. And here we are as entrepreneurs, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. which kind of makes sense. So, um, I don't like but, people telling me what to do, bro. No, I don't, I fucking hate it, yeah. you know, uh, and school was no different, man. Like, I always tested really high, but I'm not fucking doing your homework, dude. Like, that's always, my time now, yeah, motherfucker. Like, well in school when I applied myself. Yeah. But when I tr applied myself to being a degenerate, I was real good at that, oh, too. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, the degeneracy, we'll get into that <laughs> in a little bit, for sure. 
um, you know, I played sports growing up and uh, I was always very athletic. And then I found alcohol and that kind of pushed that to the side for a few years. Yeah, and then, do that. And then, you know, fucking off from school, you know, and uh, like I said, everything, nothing was real strict at my house. So I kind of, I got away with a hell of a lot more than I probably should have. Now, had I been with my biological father, that shit wouldn't have fly. Like I had that healthy Locked fear of my up. father. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, he was always kind of big, kind of angry, you know, and, and, and it's funny because I didn't spend a whole lot of time with him and I'm just like him. Yeah. I am just like my father. I laugh like him. I get that a lot too. You know, our political views align for the most part. You know, I'm not religious at all. He's, you know, Mormon, but you know, I mean, that just doesn't make sense anyways, but, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I would not have gotten away with half the shit that I got away if I, you know, my real father was in the picture, sure. you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I started getting back into, um, athletics, uh, at the, at, after high school, sure. it, in the beginning of high school, I wasn't really involved in. I didn't care. Well, you know, I played Pop Warner football growing up. I always did track throughout school, played basketball even. And uh, at the end of my high school career is kind of when we started partying. Yeah. And all those kind of other things just kind of go away, for me at least. Um, and then I started getting uh, back into it about 18 years old, and that's when, I, you know, I started – I got a gym membership and I really started taking care of myself because I wanted what everybody else wanted. What every other man wants and woman is the attention from to look good naked to look good naked. I yeah. wanted attention from, from girls, right? You know, it's for me, it's, it's no different you know, building yourself up when you're, a, when you're a young man to try and appeal to the opposite sex as women do for makeup, push up bras, whatever the fuck, getting yeah. tan, whatever it is, you know? So that's kind of, what pushed me into it and a bad relationship and a bad relationship. Bad relationship me. will always <laughs> push make me you like completely different when it comes to the gym. Mm -hmm. It will push you in a whole new level mm -hmm. for sure. That's it how really I got will. in the gym too. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody that I talk to around the country, around the world, we yeah. all get into yeah. it for girls. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, but then it evolved. Mine was more there. of a fuck you. I'll show you. I'm going to, I'm going to get ripped and what, look great. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the case is, yeah. it, it, it's either, you know, because, you know, somebody was shitty to you or just because you want to get more pussy, whatever yeah. the case is, you know? Um, so it evolved from there. So you I know. up like, uh, I wouldn't call myself like any kind of goth, but I was like the musician depressed kind of quiet yeah, uh going through some shit you liked pearl jam and fucking Fuck Nirvana yeah, dude. And shit. oh dude so much i still do it's so good um i get to singing like them and everything man oh it's good um yeah and so i grew up like uh a little bit more of a recluse i didn't play sports or anything like that later in life i did you know i did when i was in like grade school and shit soccer mm -hmm. and baseball a yeah lot. yeah but not as I uh, was, you know, a teenager and things like that. But then I met uh, some real solid friends out of high school who kind of just just flipped everything around for me. It was after high school. It was actually ninth grade, so it was oh. kind of 
like when I, where I went to high school, ninth grade was the end of junior high, and then okay. it started at tenth grade was when high school started. That was New Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I met some really cool people um, at the uh, kind of the middle point of my ninth grade year, mm-hmm. and they just kind of made everything all right. You know, I was super bummed. You know, pops had just died, mom's struggling. You know, she had just gone on disability with her work, and she was just kind of all over the place and. And so I just needed, uh, like, I mean, a friend, really, you know. But mm-hmm. And these people just kind of came along at the perfect time in my life to kind of get me through this shit because, you know, I moved from Phoenix up to New Mexico and shit. I mean, I'm like, I didn't even know it got this cold. What the hell is this? In New Mexico? Yeah, man. It was cold yeah. as shit. You wouldn't even think of that, right? <laughs> Where was it in New Mexico? It was up in uh, Farmington. It's up by the Four Corners. Okay. It's cold as hell, it man. It was cold out there? Coming from That's Phoenix, man, I was there, like, it? yeah, it's high desert. Okay. But that high desert, man, it's, look, it's like 14 degrees. That's cold as not hell in Phoenix. Me. Not in Phoenix. No, not in Phoenix. Not even close. Um, so that was kind of a culture shock. And then, you know, I just didn't know anyone. And, mm. uh, but meeting them, they kind of just brought me out of my shell and they were outgoing and kind of just I tagged along you know um and so they kind of just helped me learn how to make friends you know what I mean and yeah. kind of because I'm naturally an introvert right you know? I don't fucking really give a shit about people or right. what they're doing I enjoy my friends and I've evolved into that my tribe but yeah I don't like yeah. to be around tons of people yeah you know? the older I get the smaller my circle gets for, for sure. sure and uh and so yeah they helped me out like that a lot and and i mean we're still family members to this day you know like, yeah you know my home you know my brother and mm-hmm. sister but it's chris and crystal mm-hmm. and they're still big parts of life you know after all these years so after high school so after high school what were you doing after that so you get through so, Man, so after you high some, school you i was some just, good people yeah right and then after high school what direction did you take i think it's probably similar to mine but well, after high school, I was just being crazy. You know, mm-hmm. I like to drink a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, small town in New Mexico, that was highly accessible. So we did a lot of that. Uh, but then I just got a hair up my ass, really, and got a job. And I was like, I'm going to move back down to Phoenix. I'm going to, you know, kind of do my own thing. And so I got a job at Walgreens. Oh. Right? Walgreens yeah. shot me up. It was a big come up. Yeah. And But they, when I did the interview, they said that they, if I needed to move anywhere... They could transfer me. Oh, okay. And I so was that like, kinda, "Oh, really?" That kind of uh, started that. Oh, it was the it was the plan. Yeah. As soon as they said that, I was like, "Perfect. I'll work here six months. I'm out. Yeah. I'll have a job when I get home." Yeah. So that's what I did. I kind of, I mean, I kind of just left everyone alone, you know, uh, like my friends in New Mexico for yeah. a while, you know, because it was people. We were just partying and being crazy, and I just knew I had to get out of that, you know, because yeah. I know myself and. And so, yeah, I just saved and uh, had a good job. Finally moved back down here to Phoenix and, you know, promptly lost my job once I got down here to the big city (laughs) and just started being crazier. It's interesting that you started to notice that at a young age. Oh, yeah. I didn't start noticing that until I was in my 30s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I picked up on it real quick, bro. Real quick. Um, So, yeah, I moved out here and then... You know, I was 18, not even, I was 17, and I, I turned 18 out here in Phoenix, and you know, I was just living on my own, and you just had around, your own place? My own place, Okay. And, you know, live with some friends back and forth, and yeah. you know, so You were the was, dude on the couch for a little while? 
No, it was like dudes on my couch. You okay. know, I was okay. I was never that dude who's gonna yeah. like jump from couch to couch. Yeah. I, I need like a home base always. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, then it was just like jumping from crazy weird job every once in a while like some security gig or mm-hmm. but i got into veterinary medicine uh i guess when i was probably almost almost 19 and it was kind of a you know just a cool gig because i like animals and shit you know but then you know i go in there and i'm like fuck i'm not really prepared to just like put four animals to sleep this morning this sucks uh so yeah that at, would be rough at first that man, would be i struggled with it my mom still makes fun of me because she's like you just came up crying every day for like two weeks <laughs> like i know i really struggled with that shit that would be a hard job it was man i remember i remember going into work one morning man and we had four exam rooms right mm. all four are set up for euthanasia oh my god it's like eight o'clock in the morning i'm like yeah i've only had a cup of coffee yeah what kind of depression and darkness are y'all trying to send me into yeah. this, this morning you know what i mean oh my gosh and i struggled with that but i kept with it for shit almost like five years yeah it was fun because i learned a lot of medical stuff that transferred right over to human and i was always kind of interested in that shit you know yeah um you learned a lot about dogs obviously learned a ton about dogs and crazy ass cats and i did a big stint with uh like with exotics a lot of snakes birds mm-hmm. and shit like that you know mm-hmm. i love snakes but fucking birds man Ugh. yeah i mean they're cool but they're just they're so pain at that point so you have this veteran knowledge is how did that lead you to the search and rescue work that you do with animals uh yeah because i had gotten my first rottweiler from another technician that i was working with who was going to put this dog to sleep because, I don't know, it's a weird long story. It was probably made up, but I fell for it. But, you know, she had some dogs sent back to her from places she had sent it, and she had too many dogs, so she's like, I'm going to end up putting some to sleep. I can't take care of all these dogs. So she was like, how about you take one? And I didn't really, my experience with Rottweilers were just giving them shots and squeezing anal glands. Not Mm -hmm. cool, bro. They do not like me at all. They were very upset with me generally all the time. So I didn't have a good so experience. You were milking Rottweiler's anuses. Yes. That's and, what that and squeezing they, they, anal glands. Yeah. And it gives them a sour taste in their mouth when, not, I don't know about literally, but like just for me as a human, they're like, fuck this guy. You know, he's yeah. always messing with my yeah. butt. Yeah. So anyway. I was like, I don't really know if I like Rottweilers. It's not real. I got two little, I got a little dog at home, plus a, you know, sweet old lab at home. I'm not looking for this beast to come in. Yeah. So I decided I'd take him, check him out. I'd take him home, and he was just like the biggest pussy dog in the world. Like, just completely cowered down to the chihuahua. No shit. Oh, yeah. I just watched the old lab, like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm kind of walking Uh on eggshells around you. And he was just amazing. So I wanted to do something with him that wasn't like, you know, I just had this big ass Rottweiler that everyone knew as the asshole Rottweiler of the neighborhood, like so right. many are known to be. Yeah. <clears throat> Dogs get a get a bad rap, man. Horrible rap. Bad rap. And uh and so I was looking for something to do, but the breeder that I took him from, she worked with a search and rescue unit here in Arizona. And so I was like, Yeah, I would love to come out and just check it out and uh and Diamo was pretty good at it. He uh, yeah. he just kind of picked it up real quick, and and uh, you know the kind of upper echelon was you know pretty decent to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean in those things, I think people a lot of times keep their distance initially 
just because it gets to be a tight unit and right. you know people come and go a lot are are rottweilers are they typically used for search and rescue is that a tip because do they have good noses like is yeah that... they have great nose man you know their biggest issue is uh is their bulkiness their their ability to around spell for heat. a long time yeah man yeah. i mean here in arizona they're a tough tough dog to work but you know if you worked in colorado where it's cooler yeah uh, yeah alaska anything like that montana i bet they would just kill it yeah um but you know summer times were a bitch and yeah. winter time was awesome you know, he could kill it and run for hours in the wintertime. Yeah. Uh, okay. So nose, you know, olfactory was great, you know, uh -huh. no problems there. But, you know, he's big and just I had to carry tons of water. My support had to carry tons of yeah. water because yeah. that was our main thing in the field was just keeping him hydrated. Yeah. So not ideal. Not ideal. Arizona desert. Um, but I was like, you know, that's kind of me, you know, give me a not ideal situation. And I'll go for that. Yeah. You'll um, pick the, the tougher of the most two likely. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, <clears throat> he turned out to be amazing. And in fact, when, once I put him down, um, you know, he got cancer, we had to put him down. It was long, awful, tragic story. Mm -hmm. But when I got my second one, I just thought, you know, Rottweilers are the greatest thing in the world. And my second one, you know, he was a great dog, but he's a total dick too. Yeah. You know, he was just very stubborn, like just this real typical bully-headed rottweiler that you know just kind of tried to bully me around too yeah well my experience with remy uh like what people don't understand is that remy was still better trained than 99 percent of animals that people have you know if you told yeah. remy to sit and stay somewhere and meant it yeah he knew you meant it he would sit and stay somewhere most dogs won't do that. No. Most dogs will not do that. It was funny. I remember he was getting real antsy when we went up and did that search and rescue thing up at the Raven's Roost. Uh-huh, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, disagree with, you know, shot callers, but sometimes they're necessary. Uh, and especially if, if you've got... directly are the best. Yeah, a 150-pound dog, and some asshole up there had a fucking gigantic, highly aggressive Presa Canario up there yeah. that was not... You know, clearly not a work dog. Yeah. I don't know what that dog was doing there, but I'm untrained, you know, as far as training animals, you know, but even I knew that dog had no place there. You yeah, know, but exactly. You know, I remember, you, get a lot. you know, because of all the excitement going on one day, you, you had me watching Remy and he was just frantic. You know, he was just worked up, just wanted to go work, you know, and I was telling him to sit and he was just like, fuck you, dude. I'm, I'm not gonna it's not happening right now who the fuck are you but you had given me the the the, the key the for the the other yeah. remote for the collar and i just moved my hand in the direction of the collar Boom. and he that just sat his down. fucking ass right <laughs> down dude he just like looked at me and like just sat deal okay you yeah. win you know and that you know that's you're right those things can be if they're used appropriately are amazing, amazing. Yeah. bro my first my first one diamo this is a shitty story. It's kind of sad, but it's funny because how dedicate, how well behaved he was. He, mm -hmm. I always tell my dogs to sit, and I give them a release word mm -hmm. to to eat. Yeah, and back then sometimes I'd push it. You know, I'd wait a couple minutes. Yeah, so they were you know really paying attention. Yeah, dude, I forget, and I leave. Oh fuck! I go and leave, and I run an errand, right? And I come back like two hours later. 
Bro, and Diamo's sitting in front of the bowl just there. waiting, oh. staring at this food, bro. <laughs> hadn't moved, man. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I gave him this command, you know, I just burst into the food, you know, 100 miles an hour. But, dude, he just sat there for hours and stared bro, at it, man. I felt guy. so horrible. <laughs> it's like, you are the best dog ever. Yeah, Jesus. that's pretty impressive. It was that crazy. Is impressive. One thing that I can say about Brody is I can put a steak, fully cooked steak, ready for me to eat. Put it right on the coffee table and Brody will sit there. He'll look at it. He'll start drooling. He might sniff it a little bit from a distance, <laughs> but he's not touching it. I think we talked about that earlier. Healthy fear. A healthy fear. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like he will just sit there and he will stare at it and I can leave the room yeah. and he'll just stay right there. Maybe about a foot away, just sniffing it. Yeah. And I'll just come back and he's not going to touch it because, you know, I've spent a lot of time with him, you know, yeah, it takes training time. him and people Dedication. don't, yeah, people don't realize like they're shitty dogs that are jumping all over people. They don't realize that number one, it takes time. If they're a young dog, it takes some time. Number two, if they continue to put that time in to teach those animals what's right and wrong, they'll eventually get it. Oh yeah. And they will be amazing. It's just dogs. consistency. Yeah. For sure. It's just because people don't have the fucking patience Agreed. or they don't care or they don't, they're not educated enough to, you know, yeah. to even, you know, they're just like, that's just how my dog is. And some assholes will fucking reward them for oh, them yeah. jumping out. Like a guest comes in and they're just all over them. They'll be like, here, have some treats just to get their attention over here. But that's rewarding that behavior. Yeah, you, you know? see it all the time. Dogs will be acting, you know, completely unruly. And an owner will kind of tuck them into a side and tell them, good boy, mm -hmm. good boy, mm -hmm. good boy. Yeah, you, you please stop that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, why don't you tell me about getting into security? What got you into security? this crazy well, gig that we call a profession? Well, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit, okay? And I'm gonna talk about what happened to me after high school. Um, is you went into veterinarian and search and rescue, and I went in a completely selfish direction. What's that? <laughs> Going back to training, oh, and uh -huh. it was. That was it for me, bro. That was that was it. Just I found training. I found the gym, and like I said, growing up, I was you know always involved in sports until I found partying. But then I you know I realized that like this is not a good direction yeah. that I'm going. I was 19 years old. I just you know uh, graduated high school the year before, and my older brother had died. So I went down, I spiraled a little bit, sure. you know, for to about a year and I just was drinking and partying and it was, everybody had just gotten out of, out of school. So that's what everybody was doing. So I just go, went in that direction. Then this, like I said, terrible relationship kind of thrust me back into taking care of myself, which it, in all honesty, she was a total cunt, but she did me the best favor anybody has ever done for me. Cause that put me into the gym and taking care of myself. And ever since then, that was it. So <clears throat> after finding the gym, that was all I gave a fuck about. So well, shit, some don't even find that. I, I was, that you know, release. I started, you know, going to the gym, you know, reading magazines, you know, cause growing up, uh, you know, the, the internet didn't exist much. Um, it wasn't a big thing at our age, like growing up, we didn't even have cell phones, you know, cause that wasn't a thing. The internet wasn't a thing. So all we had was magazines and old books. And so I just started 
reading and training as much as I could. Um, and then it was just regular gym workouts. Then I met a guy who some of you are going to know by name, uh, named Scott Porter. And he introduced me to Strongman. And we... I didn't realize you got into it that young. Uh, I, was, I was 21, 22. So I had a good, you know, two or three years of <clears throat> shitty training in me. You know, and then I met Scott. And then, yeah, so I was about, I was about 21 when I got into it. Um, I was just working random, you know, again, security jobs because I had it in my head that I wanted to be a cop at some point. Um, so I, that's just kind of a similar field. So I just went in that yeah. direction and I was also working at, you know, vitamin shops and shit like that. Um, a life. Yep. About 21, 22 is when I met Scott and he introduced me to Strongman. Which I'd I'd always watched as a young man. I always so loved you already it. Kind of into it. Yeah, I was already already way into it. Like when I was young, that's you know if that was on, bro, that's what I was watching. I was watching Bill Kazmaier and yeah. Jean Paul Sigmerson, you know, all the old school guys. And I'm like, you know, I was always fascinated with that as a young man. And <clears throat> never really got into uh, bodybuilding, but that's again why I got into it in the first place is because I wanted that to, was the only I wanted to look better thing that I ever got into was I just wanted to look like a bodybuilder and look right naked. then that's just that's 99% yeah. of people they, they do it you know you got health reasons and you got aesthetics you know that's the general reason why people get into it I um, didn't start getting into training until I was working security and I just wanted to really be kind of look, look good naked uh -huh. but be able to handle someone right you know what I mean man yeah. handle someone if I needed to yeah yeah so Started training strongman, and then 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 the passion really set in. Got a taste. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was a point in time like where I was just, you know, training in a regular gym that I would blow people off just go to the gym, right? Yeah. But I was doing fucking curls and you know just I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I was I was brand new to it. Even two years in, I still had no clue what I was doing. And then meeting Scott and introducing me to this whole other world of shit. And that's when this passion really, really took a grasp on me. And that dude, that's, I just, all I wanted to do was turn pro, turn pro, turn, get as big as I could. You know, I wound up getting about 250 pounds, but you know, I was, Set your I was yeah, in my strongman days, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, soft. I was, you know, but I was still young, still knew nothing about nutrition or anything like that. Um, but strongman, that was it for like the next, damn near 10 years oh, shit. that's just what i just what i wanted to do man and uh you know so for about a decade or so you know you know we developed this crew around us this crew of guys most people didn't make it some people would show up and they'd be there for a couple of weeks i mean we had hundreds of guys probably coming through the through the crew you know, a few guys stuck it out and were able to, you know, keep up and get along and, you know, continue to improve. But most people, you know, I would say 90% of people that we met that we brought into the crew, they were welcome to come in and try it. You know, at one point in time, we had like 20 people that we were training with just in one session, you know, yeah. you know, but they would fall off real quick. And that's, that's something that I've learned throughout the years is that <clears throat> most people aren't in it for the same reasons, you know, they just, they, they, it's almost seems like they have something to prove themselves. And then when they fail, like they just give up, they just give up and they're like, nah, 
I'm going to go do this instead. I think you see that with a lot of specialty units, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could tell you the amount of people that I've watched come through and leave search and rescue, mm-hmm. everyone wants to do something big until they get in there and realize there's a ton of work with it. Yes. You have to build relationships and be able to get along with the people that you're trying to, you know, get into this little niche group with, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think, you know, I'm sure that hell anything whether it be police officers in a SWAT unit mm-hmm. or some special forces unit mm-hmm. or you know a high-end uh you know group of doctors who do specialty work I'm sure right. they see lots of musicians would be the musicians same thing. anything like, yeah I'm sure anyone in like a specialty kind of niche yeah thing probably sees tons of people go th- you know come through it mm-hmm. and just leave because only the dedicated are going to stay yeah you're absolutely right you know, and yeah, I think it's that work that mm-hmm. people don't want to put in. I mean, I think about what we used to do when I was in my 20s. I couldn't even imagine doing stuff like that now. I couldn't <laughs> even imagine, bro. Like, you think I'm a mess now. Like, bro, if I were still trying to Let's do clear, what I, I was. you're a mess. Okay. Yeah, I am. But if I was still trying to do what I was doing in my 20s, bro, I wouldn't even be able to get out sure. there. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm not doing anything like that. And at 41, my first four steps in the morning, maybe that's the problem are pretty, maybe pretty you should. excruciating. Listen, I've had, I've had a broken back, my friend. All right. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I know guys that have broken their back under yeah. about 800 pounds. And then, uh, I look, we're able to recover. Yeah, well, yeah, of course you do. Of course it's pounds. not, that's not, hey, that's not if necessary. you guys are listening, I'm not 800 pounds. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm talking about I've known guys that have broke their back in training and still like were able to recover and then even get better after that. Yeah, I I, I mean, it doesn't hinder me too much, but I, mean, I that's definitely my, feel it in the mornings. Yeah, that's just, that's, you know, that's my roundabout way of calling you a pussy without calling you a pussy. But it's okay. Uh, I get it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, that was just my life, bro. That was my yeah. life for like a good decade. From my from my my early twenties to my early thirties, um, and then that was at about the same time when I started working clubs. When I started bouncing in clubs too, because um, <clears throat> I I had you know I had other passions too. Pussy. Well, yeah. Pussy and fighting. <laughs> right. I never thought fighting was so cool, but uh, the first one, nah, I, really, dude, I, I like that. Fighting was rad. I like that. As I just a young man, getting punched in the face as much. Uh, Nothing better than getting into a nice fight and then going home and getting some pussy. That's a no, great that's cool, fucking but night. One's definitely cooler than the other. Like, I don't you know, man. Choose. Yeah. I don't know, bro. I, d- I do. I'm positive. I don't know. Fighting and fucking are kind of the same thing, dude. <laughs> I, guess, uh, <laughs> I guess that's how, however you're doing it. Uh, so yeah, so I started working in clubs and uh you know, bro, my first night, bro, I remember it very well. And I was I was like addicted to the club life immediately, bro. Yeah. Cuz I go it was it's a country crazy. bar, it was a country bar that I worked in, a packed fucking country bar. There's probably a thousand people in the door, if not more. We had 22 guys on staff. It was a huge place. So many girls, and they weren't scared of me. Yeah. 
because it was a country bar, not like a regular dance club with, you know, the Scottsdale girls. Because, sure. you know, I had a shaved head goatee. It was 240 pounds, and they weren't terrified of me. They were very forward. Yeah. And at the end of the night, dudes were drunk and rowdy. Bro, That I loved it. Yeah, I was like hook, line, and sinker. Like, no, this is a good, this is a good job, bro. <laughs> you know, it was my second job. So, you know, I've always, I, my buddy, my buddy Sean always jokes that I'm kind of like a Jamaican. I've always had like five jobs as long as he's <laughs> known me. Like, <laughs> he's like, how many jobs do you have? You know, you know, this, this month. And I'm like, oh, I'm only working three. He's like, dude, you're a fucking Jamaican, way. dude. So, um, <clears throat> Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like just a friend of mine that I trained with. It was Ray. Um, you know, I, uh, I had trained with him for a long time and, you know, he has been bouncing in, you know, Long Island and Manton and, you know, he's, you know, 10 years older than I am. So he's, you know, I'm like, Hey dude, just can you get me a job? So next weekend I was on and he's like, yeah, just come in. And it was on from there, dude. And then, you know, it was just bouncing for the next fucking forever. I went to, uh, from, from veterinary medicine straight into a strip club. Straight into a strip club, I went. Um, but it was uh, it was quite a different experience for sure. It was uh, not not like most bar life. Um, it was definitely a little more low key at first because I started kind of just working day shift and getting known to know people. Was where was that? Was that? It was in Scottsdale. Okay, yeah, I was in okay. Scottsdale, and uh, and I just started uh, kind of getting to know people and building some relationships and learning how to talk to people, get them outside and things like that. But once night shift started, they switched me over to night shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, the girls were cuter and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just more crazy. That you know? gamey day shift. Oh, what's that? The gamey, the gamey day, day shift. shift. Yeah. That D squad's <laughs> rough, you know, drinking bud heavies all day, you know? Oof. And, uh, yeah. So once I got into that night shift, I would say that was, that was when I got uh, pretty hooked because uh, the um, the adult like gentlemen's clubs are definitely different than the than the bars that I've worked at in the sense that different. you generally have to do a lot less and you make uh, extreme amounts more money. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, man, I was never about working harder than smarter. Yeah, you know? for sure. And uh, man, my first couple good nights, dude. I just went, I didn't do anything. Yeah. And y'all give me like 900 bucks, just walk out of here. <laughs> like, it's all good. I can just take off with this money. And man, after that, I, that's what had me addicted. Yeah. Was making that crazy money. Yeah. You know, I've helps. been working hard in surgery and having dogs bite me and piss on me and shit on me, making, you know. Not what, even saying thank you. Not even saying thank you, man. And I mean, I'm, there was a point. I mean, I made seven bucks an hour doing that shit. Fuck that. You know? And dude, after I learned how to make my own money and not play that nine to five game and not have to, because for some reason, no matter what, I can come home, get three hours of sleep, get up. You've seen me do it. We mm -hmm. go train. We'll train a whole day after that. Yeah. But for some reason, if I fucking have to wake up at five in the morning, I don't care if I've had 20 hours of sleep. I'm still just like, oh, this yeah. is awful. Yeah. I can't handle it. I agree. 
And uh, between the money, pretty girls, and being able to somewhat make my own schedule, I mean, I was hooked for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I tried to go back to normal Mm -hmm. working after that, and I was like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. What are you people doing this for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Fucking zombies. Dude. Yeah, man. When Danny got pregnant the first time with Wyatt, you know, you, you and I were working at Christie's, and I was like, nope, going back to the hospital. I'm going to work yeah. a normal job. Yeah. I'm going to become one you of the normal be a respectful dudes. father. That's right. Respectable. And uh, how long did that last, bro? A year? I mean, for us, like, that. please, please if help that. me. Bring me back. Yeah. Yeah. I think I made yeah. it one year. I, I, I remember asking you because we needed some help after you had left. I'm like, how do you feel about coming back to Christie's? And you're like, oh fuck yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Yep, right I'll now. I'll do that. That sounds <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it, I I love working with animals, and the it's it feels good to tell people, you know, you do good and make a difference. But it feels rad to be able to pay for your kids' vacation and shit too. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So you know that that was just. That's Finally, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And you can you know? say fuck anytime you want. Anytime and I want. I say fuck a lot too, you know, man. And Karen's not going to get upset that you're cursing or, you know. Bro, I just say inappropriate stuff a lot. And so, uh, yeah. That, it's part uh, of the gig. It is part of the gig. It's kind of why, part of why I do it. That it is. People ask me, customers ask me all the time if I like my job. And I go, watch this. I'll look around real quick and I'll I'll yell out, fuck. Yeah. And I'm like, look, dude, no nobody cares, gave man. a shit. They I just said that. You. They didn't, they didn't no, even man. notice. Nope. So, yeah, man. I mean, if you're That's talking to thing. a customer or a client or at your fucking cubicle or whatever and you just yell out, fuck, you think you're, you know, and that was going to notice. That was the start of my, my black collar life was learning that I can do whatever I want. And, you know, I don't, if, if I'm creative enough, I don't have to look for this nine to five gig. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I don't have to, and, yeah. you know, we're always going to have a boss really, no matter what, you know what I mean? Whether it be the wife or, you know, whether <laughs> well, it be. Well, that's not true. I don't have one of those. Well, you, you got a life boss choices, bro. bro. You got a, life you got a boss, bro. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> kind um, of, but not yeah, really. You kind of do. Like someone could fire dog, you tomorrow. Maybe. Someone could fire you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, but so what? I'll, but I'll that's what I'm saying. Club. I mean, you know, not having that is awesome. My only boss really is my, you right. know, my my partner. You know, and and I say that to be funny, but yeah, but, but that's not. the way I've gotten to, you know, live this life that I've created for my family is mm-hmm. just by you know kind of being creative. You know, we living on the fringe, right in the gray. Yeah, man, the gray's a it's a great area to be in. The, the gray is where I strive to be in. Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of internal, uh, you know, demons because I'm generally trying to stay in the light, right? But when I look into the abyss, you know, it looks back at you. Well, right? I'm, a, I'm a dark so guy right off the bat, so I get I, it. Yeah, I am a dark guy, but trying to live in the light is difficult and that causes chaos in life because you know I've got some dark values everybody does and if I just tread the gray it it creates kind of a peace for me sure. you know we all have chaos and order in our lives you know and I feel like the people who suffer the most are on either end you know whether you know they don't embrace their darkness and they just live in the light. Well, now they're going to be miserable because they don't embrace that part of yeah. their life. You know, or the opposite is true. 
at people that just can't get their shit together and only stay in the dark and they don't try and better themselves, like obviously they're going to be a fucking mess and nobody wants to be around them or be associated and they're just going to stay there. Yeah. So treading that line of in the gray, I feel like is, is the best way. I think where I stay in the gray is because I'm naturally just in the dark and I don't mean to sound cheesy, but you know, in, in kind of building this family I've, I've built for myself, they kind of, they bring me out of that. And I'm not just Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, but they bring me into that where I can still find peace and, mm-hmm. and handle the darkness and, and take on the beautiful things that they provide me, the extreme light side of things. You know, my sons and, you know, the, the yeah. things that they do, their accomplishments, it's, mm-hmm. it's beyond amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it allows me to keep one foot out of the dark. You know what I mean? Right. Just, I think that... Uh, my tendency is to be on one side just because I don't know, just past and whatever it may be, but I find myself going there more than not. And it's, it's my family that allows me to, to maintain that peace and know things are going to be good and okay. And even when I'm fucking having a shitty day and I feel like a awful partner or father or friend, you know, it's those, it's them that, still make me right. feel better about things you know what i mean right for so me it's a, me in that gray it's a different perspective because i don't have those things mm-hmm. so so for those of you who don't know miles is married and a family or and two boys two boys <clears throat> yeah. and i'm i'm single never married no kids i've got a dog and for me like for me it's keeping busy you know for me like i don't have you know children or you know anything to like what you're saying Mm -hmm. for me i have to stay occupied and follow passions of mine Mm -hmm. and for me my biggest passion has obviously been training you know uh and pushing myself and 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 i think that's what really helps me get out of that that darkness you know um you know pushing myself in a particular set where there's just a complete absence of any kind of outside stressors, whether it's relationships or family or the job or um, whatever, whatever bullshit, you know, it's, there's nothing there because you have to be in that moment in that set. You Mm -hmm. have to be fucking present and focused. Otherwise you're going to get fucked up. You know, you're going to fuck yourself up if you're not. Um, So for me, that that's that, is is what brings me out of that that dark abyss Mm -hmm. you know um otherwise i'm just gonna go off the fucking deep end i'm gonna start banging strippers i'm gonna start if i didn't have these three people around me i would just i don't even know what kind of wreck of a person i'd be in all honesty yeah i mean a wreck yeah you know you know i was um, not on an an amazing path before danny um and i'm on a great one now i feel like you know what i mean um, I'm rich in the sense of having just an amazing support system, mm-hmm. family, tribe around me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, and, and they've given me all of that. You know right. what I mean? Right. My last relationship was just complete chaos. Yeah. You know, there was no yin to the yang. It was just, just all just all chaos. chaos. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where, you know, our two paths are different yes very much so very Um, much so 
I think we've, it's, I think the black collar life has, uh, has welcomed us both openly though. For sure. You know, because we, we do have very similar outlooks on pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, we do disagree on, on certain things like it's the okay. size of people's asses and shit like that. Oh but yeah. Yeah. yeah that's no, you like those sure. big fat asses Ooh. and that's just too much for me. It's pretty rad, dude. I mean, I, I like a nice ass. I mean, I am a not an ass guy. No, you're not. I, I am. No, just you're not. not like you. That's just not a fact. I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> and let me tell you, you're not. Um, you're right. I'm more of a belly guy than I am an ass guy. Yeah, you but, are. You um, want your girl to have a six pack and mm -hmm. ripped abs. And I'm like, that's a dude. Nah. Uh, well, I just like to take care of them. So <laughs> fuck you. So uh, it's not my fault. You're just a chubby chaser, bro. You just like I, I fat know, chicks, Same thing man. Danny calls me. That's all right. I've learned to live with these things. <clears throat> so, um, but it, you're right. It's that lifestyle that brought us together. Mm -hmm. That's how we met each other. We met each other working at um, Sandbar, which, uh, you know, for people who aren't from Phoenix, you know, it was like a cabana type bar and very popular and it was on the south side of phoenix like 10 years dude that was 10 years ago man yeah, that was crazy. it was 2011 yeah uh it was right after my motorcycle accident so it was it was probably it was may it was cinco de mile was it remember we, you and i worked the front door it was cinco de mile when oh, it okay. was yeah fucking insane, insane. there we yes. had like we had it was thousands of people oh yeah that we had in that building because they took the whole parking lot and that was made the it. one holiday that was insane yeah it was fucking crazy nuts. and that's you know that i think we had met maybe the weekend before that but yeah. that that weekend is what i really remember when you and i spent some time together and mm -hmm. actually talked to each other <clears throat> um and then <clears throat> it pretty much was just I told you I couldn't train legs because they get so fucking jacked. I remember that. And I remember thinking about how ridiculous of a statement that was. Yeah. Like, woe is me. My legs grow too fast. And I'm like, I don't want to hear your shit. <laughs> I don't want to hear your fucking shit. That's like a dude complaining about how he can't get laid because his dick's too big. I don't want to hear your fucking shit, dude. Sorry, bro. I don't like my thighs rubbing, man. I don't give a fuck, man. I gotta Just have put a on gap some there. fucking no, dude. Uh, a thigh gap? You yeah, want a thigh man. gap? Yeah, kind of do, man. I don't like that <laughs> chafing, bro. It's bad. Astro Glide or something, bro. There's there's a product that fucking Escalade Dave told me about. Listen, it's I made have by it. It's Monistat. called Monistat. Yeah, I've got dude, it. God bro, damn it. It's all right, fucking I can good, still dude. keep it in my backpack. All right. Yeah, it's fucking good. So. For all you fat fucks out, those fat bloated fucks. Big ass thighs and shit. You guys are rubbing your legs together. It's monostat, okay? It's made for fucking chicks. Yeah, but put but it on. Whatever. It's a powder that it starts it's as a gel and yeah. it turns into a powder. You rub that shit on, dude. It, it works, man. Save your it fucking works. life. So anyway, away from my super jacked legs. <laughs> um Yeah, that was uh sandbar was uh where it all started and shit. It's been quite a ride from there quite a ride yeah well i think you know it, that was like right when you and danny had started dating right? yeah uh -huh. okay so um <clears throat> i had left at that point and moved to texas for a girl that you know uh had just gotten her doctorate and so i moved to el paso spent a year there we spent a year in tucson and then everything fell apart and i came back i came back to phoenix and you and I weren't super close at that point. We were 
we were friends and we still kept in contact. Yeah, we chatted about like uh, coming out to Tucson and hanging out and things like yeah, that. Yeah, we were. Uh, and then uh, you had sent AJ an invitation to your wedding and not me. I just yeah. want to point that out. Yeah, but we weren't there yet. We weren't there we yet. We weren't but there that's yet. That's okay. I was AJ's plus one. You were. And we will talk about that at some point when we have AJ on oh, we will. the press check. And we will talk about that later. But <clears throat> that was the first time that I met that I met Danny. And I and needless that was to the say, first time. it was the very the first time, bro. Wedding. Jesus yeah. Christ. And I was shit hatched. I know. And I was a fucking mess. I kept looking at you and you had that giggle on your face, man. <laughs> looking at me. I'm like, oh man. AJ's so, already been on one. I hope this guy don't start too. Oh uh, no, I mean I don't think. I think I was well behaved. You were well behaved. I, I, I remember vaguely what I said to Danny, and I remember standing up and looking at you, and like you almost kind of turned white, like oh fuck, dude, he's coming <laughs> here over here. It comes. And I start stumbling over to you and Danny when you guys are at the table, and I see you just kind of like like nudge Danny and like coming over here Danny just <laughs> he's coming over here just just be nice like, okay yeah he's he's a fucking idiot but he's coming over here so I walk over there and and I remember just saying I remember I said something nice it was short and yeah. I didn't want to make a fucking fool of myself because I, <laughs> I just wanted to be, be like short and short sweet. And, sweet and I think I just said thank you for making miles happy and I think I just walked away yeah. at that point I don't think I said anything else I introduced myself it wasn't and, traumatic and I, I do go, remember that I go hi I'm Bradley she's like I know who you are <laughs> right <laughs> and, and I just said thank you for making miles happy and I walked away cuz I didn't want to be a total fucking asshole cuz I had already made a fucking scene I know at, at your wedding I know. and terrified the poor people that you put us with. I don't know I why know, you did that, but that's your that. fault. That is your fault, not ours. It you was actually Danny's fault. I don't have anything to well, do with that. That's fine. You want to blame it on your wife. That's I will. I will take here. no credit for that. Yeah. And she can't say anything about it because she's not here. <laughs> so after that, I went back to the original club that I started bouncing at, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to make ends meet. And I was just back in phoenix and you know trying to get my life back together and on the right track and then you called and introduced me at, or and told me to come to christie's and introduce Getting you back up man i was all solo with some amateurs yeah with the introduced me to the the strip club life and then you know obviously that that that's where we're at now but you know just my life took a total turn yeah you know because the money is so good and the it's just it's just craziness too on top of it but <clears throat> so uh we've been bouncing together multiple clubs yeah for a long time long time you know you uh, you and i work very well together mm -hmm. um you know when we're dealing with an issue you know this comes back to what you were talking about that real niche group of people like if we're dealing with a situation i don't need to verbally communicate with you right to know where you're at. Right. I know that if I'm in a position with somebody, I already know where you're at. Yeah. Like I don't even need to I don't even need to communicate that with you. So <clears throat> that worked. <clears throat> and like we said, we've had quite a people try to come into the fold that just have not worked. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us into recovery. You asked me if uh I wanted to start doing fugitive recovery. Yeah. 
and um, you had some experience with that that we haven't talked about yet. Um, but you were very familiar with that, and you had already knew a lot of bondsmen around, you know, the the valley, mm-hmm. and had a lot of experience with that. When did you start doing recovery? Initially, I started probably doing it like two thousand six, maybe two thousand five. Mm-hmm. It was a little after I started my first uh, my first nightclub. Um, and it was shit. It was the most terrifying experience of my life uh, because they were just like, "We're gonna go pick this dude up. He's in this home. This we're is your very first file, first first time." And okay. and I'm just given a uh, a 12 gauge pump with like, "Yo, we're just going in this house. Handle it." And I'm like, "Whoo, this is what uh, was the situation? Do you remember what he was wanted for? Um, was it I a can't remember, arrest? but was it a felony arrest? I uh, know it was a it was a." Uh, what was it? Uh, non-compliance stuff. Okay, it's non-compliance. Uh-huh. And they had been looking for him for a while because the people who brought me into the into the situation had been looking for him for a while. Um, and the guys that were doing that, and I, we, I just had a good rapport with them, so they thought it might be a good fit. How did you know these guys? Just from working, they were like uh, drivers at the first club that I worked was at. Was it? It was Escalade Dave, right? Yeah, Dave and Scott. Okay. Dave and Scott. Okay. And uh, and Mikey. Okay. And. Yeah. Uh, was and, she your neighbor at the time? No. Okay. That came me years later. And uh, so they asked me to come out, and they're like, we're going to hit this house. You know, hand me this 12-gauge. And, dude, I had been shooting a ton, mm-hmm. you know, but it was just like plinking, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, bro, we hit this house, man, and which goes to show just how crazy this industry is, at least in this state. You just need no training, no anything <laughs> besides, like, fucking $25 and the willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. But I remember kicking this door and... You booted the door. I booted the door. They put the new guy on and had him boot the door. Yeah, man. And I couldn't get my words out. I was so jacked on adrenaline. Yeah. And I mean, I just stood in the fucking doorway and just like, I just fucking (laughs) froze and just like, I can't even scream, like get on the ground, you know? So everyone's screaming around me and I'm just kind of holding a gun on someone. When you hit that door, did you know who was in the building? No, not at all. So and you there's, hadn't done surveillance on the, didn't know who I was didn't, inside? I don't know exactly. This was a long time ago, okay. so I don't know exactly. They had been working this case for a while. Okay, so they had an idea. So I'm sure they had an idea of okay. yeah. who was there, but it was all shady, bro. You know, yeah. we kicked that door open, and there's just nothing but dope and prostitution going on everywhere. Right, right. And so we start clearing the house, and man, we <laughs> run into this... <laughs> ASU professor up top. Oh, no shit. Yeah, man. And he was just like, (laughs) you could see the look on his face like, my world's ending right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so we just kind of pressed him for the the information we were looking for. For Because the person that we were looking for wasn't there. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Typical, right? And so... And so, I mean, but that's where they hung out. They just right. weren't there, you know. And so they hadn't watched that house to make sure that he was probably they didn't see him make contact here in the house. And but, uh, but dude, these poor people, like the the, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm fucking feeling sorry for him and shit, but the this professor was so scared, bro. I remember his face. That's what I remember most was uh-huh. the terrified look on his face of like it's all over. Yeah, my you job, know? my career's over. And we just kicked him. We were like, yo, stop hanging out with prostitutes and drug addicts. Right. We're yeah. not cops, bro. Like, And uh, and we just, you know, we had him take off. But that experience had me so fucking worked up. I was like, I don't think I can ever do anything else but this. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, the lack of training and knowledge on my end was fucking real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I just made it a point to to learn, you know. Right. Is that um, when is that when you really got into like firearms? Yeah. Yeah, tactics, training, it? things like yeah. that, movement, how to get through a fucking building. Right. Uh, cuz after a while like that group kind of split up and I just started doing it by myself. Yeah. I mean, one just cuz I'm a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, I needed I kind of needed it. Kind of dumb, but yeah. I need, I was extremely stupid. Yeah. I arrested a bunch of people on my own, just just getting into some shit, yeah. you know? And, yeah. But it was so exciting. It yeah. was like a fucking drug to me. Mm, for sure. And I was jacked on it. But then, uh, you know, I stopped doing it for a while, started just working at the club. And then, you know, fucking Danny got pregnant. We had Wyatt. And, and I just didn't feel like that was appropriate for me to be doing anymore. You know, so it was time to grow up, right. make some better decisions, bring a partner on, someone who could watch my back, and mm-hmm. shit. It was, it was pretty rad. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, great time, great time, great time. That is, you know, that is really where the black collar, yeah, ideology, agree, came along. It, it definitely was. It rooted in doing all that for sure, because <clears throat> we were we were working for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, with with you know just the two of us, and you know making <clears throat> it happen. Yeah, you know that we were working on our terms, right? And that's that's what was really important. You know, it was, and you know, just personally, that was just it's one of the you know proudest things I've ever done, besides being a father or husband correctly. Yeah, is doing that and be able able to still provide and have fun and not be broke as fuck all the time. And, right. you know, being able to get my kids stuff and, you know, my wife's stuff and mm-hmm. we made it work. You yeah. know what I mean? And that, that's something I always hold pretty, you know, close to my heart. I'm proud of that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for me too. And it wasn't, it wasn't something like that I would be ashamed to tell people that we do. Fuck no. You know, I was very, I was very proud to be able to tell people like, this is what I do. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and we just, we, we worked our asses off for it, you know. And a lot of hours, a lot of downtime, but that little bit of. It's mostly downtime, but. But that little bit of up, man. Yeah. That worth makes it. makes up for it, for yeah. sure. Like, like it's it's hours of nothing. Nothing. You know? Pissing and in a bottle. Yeah. Not cool. Pissing in a bottle, you know, uh, if anybody's in Phoenix and there's a puddle outside of a car. You're being watched. You're being watched. <laughs> You're being watched because they're they're just pissing and then dumping it out. The pee puddle's so, a dead so, giveaway. Yep. So if you're wanted <laughs> or if you have a fucking a bondsman looking for your ass, watch out for puddles. Watch the piss puddle. Mm-hmm. Um, um <clears throat> so Yeah, man. You know, uh that's basically, you know, where we're at now. Um Yeah. And uh, you know, we've got this uh Got some other things that we're working on that we'll probably talk about things in a little while in, sure. further, in further podcasts. Yeah. Um, but gear wise, let's switch topics a little bit. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we run. How about when we're working recovery? Uh, working recovery, man. I mean, you know, I'm a Glock snob. Most people who know me know I'm a Glock snob. Glock. Um, only way to roll, if, in my opinion, mainly because I'm uh, abusive to my weapons and I don't like to clean them. 
Um, I like to shoot them. Out of your head, man. What's that? Got to get that twenty eleven out of your head. Nah, man. I think that'll be my bougie shit. But uh, that's it. Grandpa I mean, I won't. Shit. I couldn't buy two of those. I mean, I'd feel kind of weird about that. But one for sure. That C two's coming strong, man. Yeah, man. I don't know. About yeah, it. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah. that's really expensive, and you know, my buyer's remorse is real. Yeah, and it, but it, I'm I'm sure it would look really nice, like on your mantle. It'll look or gorgeous. Something. You know, but, it'll really actually, it's only know, going to be for competition. You got to make sure that you dust it though. You want it to fire. Yeah. Got to make sure you dust it. Cause I don't, I don't I know, think man. 2011s are a different story from what I see. Yeah. I don't think so. I think so. I think they're just a little bit better than the 1911s, we'll, which we'll, isn't I like mean, an improvement. We'll find out. I mean, we'll find That's out. That's awful. That's awful. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to do some stuff to it. I think, uh, I think it'll be fun. I'm going to use it strictly for comp though. Uh-huh. It won't be a carry gun. Um, it'll be strictly for comp and shooting fast and running it hard. Okay. I guess that's acceptable. Yeah. Nothing. Not your I don't carry personal except for Glock for sure. Yeah. Why is that? Because I know it's going to go bang. Because it's going to work. Yeah. No for sure. What. For sure. But I could put that up against any other thing too. Not just 2011s. I would put that up against Springfield or Sig Sauer mm-hmm. or fucking any other thing. That's, mm-hmm. you know. I just think that that's the uh, upper echelon of the I can beat this thing to death gun. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Top of the line. So Glocks, what other uh, pieces of gear? Oh, gear. You know, when it comes to recovery, I mean, God, I feel like we can go on and on with subject. I mean, when it comes to plate carriers, I, well, when it comes to plate carriers, I like minimalistic stuff. I don't mm-hmm. want a ton of shit because we don't need a ton of shit. You know right. what I mean? Um so, you know, we're both running that Shellback mm-hmm. uh, Banshee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, I've been running that thing for probably six or seven years now. And it's a great piece of kit. I love it. I think it's awesome. Uh, Ronin Belt, yeah. I think you probably tactical. agree with me, yep. is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I, I see all these people kind of ripping it off at this point. Tons of um, companies are, are taking their design yeah, and, and doing it for themselves. Like, nah. I'll stick with yeah. I'm sticking with Ronan for sure. You know, for sure. Um, One because he's just he's the awesome. baddest dude on the yeah. planet, and uh, and I like his gear. You know, I like his philosophies and gear. And mm-hmm. in all honesty, that's what I think that uh, you know this podcast is good for is you know promoting things that we're doing, talking about things that are relevant, and you know helping people that we yeah. uh, that we believe in and care about. Agreed. You know, and agreed. So if I see a product that I like or I am behind, I'm not trying to you know strictly be hey first contact is number one and this or that if i like a product i got no problem saying this is an amazing product and yeah i'll stick behind it you know? yeah yeah um, big tech. shout out by the way mm-hmm. to boogeyman customs which both just worked on both of our guns mm-hmm. phenomenal stuff you got the what is it the la rona, la rona. cool name That's, one they've, they've got one yes cool Are name you familiar one. with the story yeah you were telling okay. me yes pretty so, rad la Yorona. Witches uh, and dead people and dark shit. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got a slide cut. Um, they've Good got stuff. two different. They've got two different um, options for that. One is with windows. I just got the one with forward slide cuts and serrations yeah. up front um, for press checks. That's right. Know? That's right. Uh, looks very nice. And what did you get on your? Glock I didn't 45? have a ton of stuff done. Um, just because it's my carry gun. I don't like my mm-hmm. carry gun to look too crazy. Look too scary. Uh, so we, uh, I'm a big fan of rear sights in front of your optic. If you're mm-hmm. going to run them, mm-hmm. if you're going to run a red dot, um, I just feel like my eyes hit those 
those rear sights first thing, no matter what. And I feel like if I kind of put them in front of that, uh, that red dot, it, I just don't go to it. I go right. to that dot. It's My less, eyes look for the dot. It's less messy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I had them do that. They sent the, uh, they, uh, did a cut for an RMR. Um, then they also just put the, uh, dovetail in front of that for that rear sight. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, had them do a, their version of the black multicam, which looks amazing. Uh, great work on that stuff. Um, yeah, they were awesome to work with. They were very cool. Uh, you know, they had, I think like a two month turnaround rate, man. And they just threw me right in the mix, man. Mm-hmm. They were, I was, they were done like a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Same, you know, so they're fairly local. They're Tucson, Arizona, which is about an hour and a half drive for me. Yeah. So I just took my slide down there. I just made a day of it and just took it down there. I think they had my slide back to me in like three, maybe four weeks. Yeah. And they just shipped it right back. And all of a sudden, it was just in the mail. And they actually charged me less than what was quoted on oh, the nice. website. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, they do great work. Check those guys out. Yeah, so if you're in uh, Arizona area or, you know, you, you have no uh, problem sending your gun out, check out Boogeyman Customs. They, they're doing good stuff. They're making some triggers and some other things that are pretty cool, too. But they do uh, some really, really nice slide work if you're interested. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but yeah, Glock snob. Um, I I do like uh, what you've done with some of the uh, additions to your frame that you got going on. I'm gonna I've been working with uh, Battle Ready mm-hmm. Battle Ready Arms. I sent a 19 out there to get kind of Gucci'd out, mm-hmm. all bougie. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting that back. Should be another couple weeks. They're an awesome company to work with, but I think the lead time was like six to eight weeks i think we're on like week 12 so oh wow you, know. you already sent it out long time ago oh, okay long okay. time ago but you know i'm sure they're busy as hell yeah yeah and they're it's just gonna be right a competition now. gun yeah yeah they they're are. kind of they're blowing deep. up right now they so are. that's kind bigger. of to be expected yeah you know when i went to boogeyman he was saying that he gets like 40 rmr cuts a day yeah that's crazy yeah that's a crazy day. so yeah i mean and you know, I hadn't heard of them until a friend of mine told me about them. Battle Ready Arms. I mean, yeah, a lot of people know about them. It's kind of like agency is fucking huge right now. Which I honestly, I just their work is amazing. It is great. I just feel I like it's uh, the price point's a little crazy. That out of control, not crazy. Yeah. Out of control. Yeah, because I would have went with them even if it was, you know, two hundred dollars less than what they're charging. I mean, it's just it's too it's much. Like, yeah, it's too much. Way too much. So I agree, but. Amazing work, and, and their their guns do come out a, a pretty pretty impressive looking. So I mean, if you don't give a shit about the cost, yeah, handle it. Be amazing too. Yeah, but. I think I put another Glock into the modifications for my nineteen. I mean, definitely cost me five, six, seven hundred bucks for yeah. all this shit. But yeah, I mean, it's worth it. It looks sweet, and it's gonna run like a champ. So. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting that back. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm thinking we'll probably uh, conclude this first episode of the podcast. Uh, okay. You know, it's been a it's been a good one. We've gotten a mm-hmm. little stuff, uh, got to know each other a little bit more, let these people mm-hmm. know who each other are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys look forward to uh, new topics. You know, we're not trying to be too much of a, a niche podcast. We're kind of trying right. to jump outside of the box a little bit right. and uh, just talk about, uh, you know, the things that uh, we feel like our culture is losing a little bit of, which, you know, would be masculinity and things based around uh being a man in today's society and being a successful man and and good man 
and uh, good man. The struggles yes, with it's it. It's easy to be a man. Yes. It's easy to be good at being a, a man. Yeah. It's difficult to be good at being a good man. That's the truth. Uh, so yeah, we'll. Uh, I say you know the next episode we'll uh, we'll kind of break in uh, with some more topics, just uh, kind of in the gun realm and uh, things like that. But uh, you know, st- stay tuned for the next episode, and uh, it should be fun. You got any? It will be. Got any uh, final words? I do not. No, I do not. But uh, I'm hungry. I do burgers. What burgers? Yeah. Thanks for joining us and stay ready, folks.